Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Cass Hopeton and Blake Dantier both released debut albums in 2022, Cass with Not Your Typical Bride and Blake with Dry Season, and both found themselves nominated for the Golden Guitar for New Talent of the Year this year. They have now released a song together, Some Things Never Get Old. I'm going to talk about that and also maybe that Golden Guitar nomination. Hello, Blake, and hello, Cass. Hi. Thanks for having us. It's great to talk to you, and I spoke to you both around the releases of your albums, um, but I am going to start with those matching Golden Guitar nominations because I can't imagine many artists have found themselves up against their own spouse. How did it feel when you found out? Uh, we were talking about it today, and um, I remember, like, watching the nomination announcement, and I was just so excited that Blake's name got called out that I'd forgot that my name could also be called out. It was just, like, a really nice, like, moment. I'm sure you didn't be like... <laughs> Me, yes. <laughs> me, 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 me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I figured we had more chances to win that way. I mean, what's yeah, hers five. is mine, what's mine is hers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we brought um, it so, must yeah. be, it must, I mean, yeah, there's not really anyone you could call and say, oh, hey, what's it like to be up against the person you live yeah. with? <laughs> How do you deal with this? <laughs> yeah, well, I thought, like, it was really nice to kind of get excited together, like, dressed up together, like, being nominated at, like, the awards themselves are really cool and then yeah. obviously both lose it's nice okay. to console each other <laughs> <laughs> i know it's a, it's a it's a very competitive category um and the other aspect oh, yeah. of it is you usually both the people who are in new talent of the year often perform on the night so it's not even like you get to just stroll up on the red carpet and relax there's a lot of other stuff going on there's rehearsal so so the few days before those golden guitars i imagine were pretty busy yeah, we didn't perform this year. I think we had the off year. So but, yeah, they like to shake it up. But Cass got to do it the year before when and that I was there. The I saw Cass perform. That's why I just before. presumed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why they picked the year off. Uh, yeah. the time that I was sorry, there. sorry. But okay, whatever. <laughs> well, then you did get to relax and enjoy it to an extent, I guess. But um, yeah, by that... I, once they had done that category, then I yeah. got to relax and enjoy it. Then yeah. it's like, oh, now, now it doesn't matter how many beers I drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apart from which it was probably the year that was the most fully back, like, post-pandemic. So I imagine it got pretty loose that evening. Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I was, how many months was I? Six oh, months yeah. pregnant? You, like, you not pregnant. Loose after after party. I went to the after party and then I was like, probably going to call it now. <laughs> <laughs> I am carrying a small human. I need to lie down. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was... By that time, had you started thinking about recording together already or did that give you an idea too? I don't know if we even, I think it was before Soph was born, but not, I don't know. I think it was a very quick turnaround. We were like, we're going to do a duet now. But like with the, at the Gold Guitars, I think it wasn't even in our heads yet. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't know we were going to actually do it, but we knew that. Like, people have been yeah, asking us yeah. for years, like, are you going to do one? And we're like, you know, obviously they're planting the seed. Yeah. Maybe we will do one. Mm. And, you know, so I can't, we always thought we would, but we had had no idea when, really. And then, yeah, we turned this song around really quickly. It was like, finished writing it at the end, at the start of this year. Right. And we're just like, let's, let's yeah. just do it. This seems like the one to <laughs> duet on. Let's just, so I think we 
recorded it like a month and a bit later. Yeah, right. And now it's come out a month and a bit after that. Um, so when did when did the song actually come to life? What was the spark for it? And and when you wrote it, did you intend it to be a song for the two of you? Mm, yeah, I think so. Anyway, I think <laughs> this song, it's like it's it's always hard for me to track back like where it began and where it ended, really, because this song went through eight different versions. Right. So I think um, I think it started like maybe over a year ago mm-hmm. that I I started writing this song and. I think I had in mind that this could be a, a duet song, okay. mainly because I felt like it wasn't a me song that I would do on my own. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was a cast song really either, but maybe it, it's so. a both of us <laughs> song. Yeah. Um, so when you say it went through eight different versions, was that, do you mean in the writing of it was like eight editing rounds of it or eight versions once you got to the studio and you started tinkering with it? Yeah, uh, before we got to the studio. I love a good rewrite. So, you know, even if the song seems like it's done, I'll, I'll just get it out and rewrite it because maybe there's something better. I don't know. It's a frustrating time to write with Blake sometimes. So I'll be like, oh. we've done it. We made a great song. And then he's like, no, rewrite. It's like, oh, <laughs> we spent like hours on this song. They always get better. They do. But I, I like to move on. Well, I would like to know which version, uh, in, in which version Pac-Man was introduced. Yeah, that was pretty late in the game, actually. <laughs> actually, those first two lines, Blockbuster on a Friday, Pac-Man on a flip phone. Yeah. Uh, they they might have been in, like, the last two versions, I think. Okay. But I had some pretty significant changes, and then, I, you know, I just thought, let's get, it was originally going to be Snake on a flip phone. You know that game Snake where you you eat little things and the snake gets longer and if you accidentally run into yourself, you lose? Yeah, Yeah, it just didn't didn't sing as well as (laughs) Pac-Man. Pac-Man is quite evocative. Um, So it sounds like (laughs) when you're rewriting, um, it's a a lyric editorial process more than a music editorial process. Yeah, there's like there's little tweaks in there. Like there used to be a guitar solo, but it was like, nah, we don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) made that really short but you know stuff like that i i feel is um uh, you know chords are important but i think they're more of a supporting role to lyrics personally Mm. yeah and Cass, for you as a songwriter do you feel the same way that uh you know the lyrics are more important uh i think in country music yes i think like the lyrics and the story uh come first obviously you don't want to like a dodgy melody but like I think um like in the way that I write it's usually an idea and like a bit of a lyric thing and then music will come after that unless I have just like a great catchy tune that I try and make something fit to it but yeah. I think in music like lyrics and story are tops yeah I think that's absolutely correct um now Blake you produced <laughs> this song <laughs> Simon Johnson <laughs> did you um did it feel like there was more pressure on you than, than when you and Simon worked together on your album because of course Cass was on this song so you know the stakes were a bit higher maybe <laughs> the stakes were on when um Simon said oh let's do the vocals at the same time so Cass was in the booth and right. I was in the control room and I was holding our baby. Right. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we, we could do it. And uh, we didn't end up using those takes from, from my yeah. end because there was way too much heavy breathing and soft cooing in the yeah. background. Very cute sounds, but, yeah, not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> having, no, having a baby in the studio kind of put it to the test a little bit. 
Mm. Other than that, business as usual. But that might have been a nice version for you to keep just for yourselves. So you had a record <laughs> of that time. Yeah, actually. <laughs> we should have thought about first that. feature track. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring Sophie. Or you could do a different edit of it. It's the baby version. Yeah. Baby yeah. edit. I don't know. Like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> just for off breathing. <laughs> so did that mean um so that so that was basically because you recorded those vocals together, that meant Cass had to do hers again as well, because it was you with the baby, and the baby was making the noise, but that take couldn't be used altogether. Oh no, we still used hers because she was in a separate room. Mm. Okay. It was just, yeah, it was just mine. But it was like it was so much easier to sing the song together because of the duet. It was like when we tried doing it at first, just her doing her part and then me doing my part, it just didn't really work. So it doesn't feel, I think, like because I've really done this before, like a duet. Because I did a duet with Andrew Swift um, a couple of years ago, but he was in Melbourne and I was in Sydney. So it was like right. we never sung it together. Um, but this, like, even though we didn't keep the take, we got to sing together at the same time. So you can feel the energy and like you're harmonizing in real time. Um, so I, yeah, I think it was good that we did that, even though we didn't have to keep takes. Yeah, we kept Cass's take. We just did mine again. Yeah, mine well, I, guess I did have a question about uh, you doing that song with Andrew Swift because I was going to put you on the spot and say who was the better duet partner, but I think you've answered that. It was like <laughs> uh, I've been programmed. I have to say my husband. But yeah. this one. <laughs> well, I was actually there. So and, and, I, and he was the producer. <laughs> so. Yeah, producer, wrote the song together. Yeah. I think it's, like I said, um, very different, like, experiences um, and very different songs. I think Say the Word is, like, very different to this one, um, even though both technically love songs. But, yeah, I think there's something really nice about being all together. And, like, Blake, because um, we did other songs for his, like, of his um, at this session, and he had a whole band in there live tracking which was just something that I hadn't really experienced for music of my own. I thought that was awesome because right. it's, like, better than, like, oh, let's yeah. record drums, then let's record bass. Like, it's just everyone together feeding off each other. Yeah. So when you go to, to make your next album, that suggests that might be a direction you head in. I would love that. I think it's, <laughs> I mean, Matt Fell made it very difficult, uh, my producer, because he just moved to Tasmania. So I don't really know what. You have to uh, go pay to fly everyone down to Tasmania. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would love love that. So I think that's how people do it over in Nashville and stuff. Like it's just, um, I don't think you can beat energy, and mm. I think that's what a lot of like international tracks have is they have that live energy. Um, yeah. but it's a lot cheaper to not do that. So <laughs> we'll see what the yeah. budget. TBC. <laughs> now you yeah. your albums. Well, you as artists and your albums reflectors have distinct musical identities. So, yeah, there's, there's nothing about your album cast that sounds like it's Blake's album and vice versa. So I'm wondering when it came to the music of this song, was there any argy-bargy about how it was going yeah. to sound? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any argy, argy well, no, it was just, it was a hard thing to do. Like we didn't, we didn't fight over how it should sound, but it was sort of like. we didn't know. I don't think yeah. anyone had like a strong opinion on what the end product was. Mm. I just, I just knew it shouldn't be like the trad kind of country sound that I do because that just, I don't think it would really suit what Cass has got going on mm-hmm. and and vice versa. So it was like we knew it had to be something different yeah. to what either of us were currently doing. And I feel that's kind of what this song is, but I don't know, to be honest, I didn't put that much importance on it. It was just sort of like... <laughs> I like this song. This song could work. <laughs> I think yeah. it, it, we put a lot of trust into the players and the um, 
well you were producing as well but <laughs> Simon um like that they would be able to create I think we would have known at some points like I don't know if this is what I really saw in my head because we didn't know what it would be like to blend them and I think like after we sent the track off to get mixed by Matt Fell then when it came back I was like yes this was it like it was kind of like nearly there and then once we kind of combined Matt with Simon it was like yes mm. I think we've done it so I kind of knew Simon was going to pull it in the direction of my album and Matt was going to pull it in the direction. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh, maybe that'll work. <laughs> yeah, it was the perfect combination of, of people all round because, yes, of who had worked with you in the past, it was just great they were both available, I guess. Yeah, totally. Matt was like, oh, I can do that. It was like the next week or something. Yeah. yeah cool, okay. <laughs> we'll send it to Tasmania. Um, yep. Now, you, you mentioned that you have a young child and she is very young, but I'm wondering if it's too early to notice any musical ability or if it's starting to come through. Yeah, I feel she likes when I sing to her, but I think that's a baby thing. But right. I'm going to pretend that that's some sort of musical. <laughs> she, like, enjoys that. But, yeah, I think Blake's trying to, I don't know, I feel like you're trying to get it to play an instrument already. You're like, look at this. We're going to start with just just hitting. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably the easiest gateway into music. Just, <laughs> just hit this thing and now let's try and get it in time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, because you were talking about singing together in the studio, do you sing together at home to her, perhaps? I think, yes. I think we sing some pretty silly songs these days. Um, mm. Our songwriting has gone in a different direction. Uh, she loves a song. Yeah. And, um, she doesn't like the same songs that we like. Um, <laughs> the songs that we would consider good songs, she doesn't care for them. Yeah. She, she wants to hear she like bath time. <laughs> There's plenty of time to educate her, though. You know, <laughs> keep exposing her to the music you like. I'm sure it will work out. Um, yeah. Now, Blake, I saw you play with Duncan Toombs at uh, Sunset Bash in Penrith um, earlier this year. Um, so you've obviously been doing some gigging around as well. Is, are you playing with some other people apart from Duncan? Yeah, um, did a gig down at did this Willandra Camp Draft. A couple of months ago down um, Bawley Point, that's where it is, New South Wales, South Coast, uh, with Max Jackson. And um, we also, we've been doing this thing at this bar in Sydney um, called Jolene's. Mm. I've been playing there, like, a lot. Uh, I feel like I'm there every week. Uh, they give us a, a feed and a beer and we get to play three hours of country music, which is pretty cool. But yeah. we formed this thing there, um, which we're calling the house band, which is me and Dunk. Um, Simon is playing bass, Simon Johnson, and Loz Benson's playing drums. And it's just this really fun, like, just whatever, you know, big jam kind of country songs sort of thing that we're doing yeah. every week. And, um, yeah, I'm really loving it. I think playing has been my focus kind of since the album came out last year. Mm. I've just really been focusing on actually playing music and, and not so much on songwriting, but you know, whatever, I'm, I'm riding that wave and I'm loving it so far. Well, I suppose it may feed into songwriting as well. You know, the more you play, the more you're kind of opening up those musical channels in different directions, playing with different people like Duncan, um, for example, or, or maybe not. Maybe I'm just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally. And I think, you know, obviously people in Nashville, they'll go in, you know, five days a week and write songs. That's yeah. that's their job. But um for me, it's it's like there's no demand to do that to that volume. So it's sort of like, 
if I don't feel like writing, I just I won't write. Yeah, you know? I feel and like I, that's nice though. It's like because the albums have come out, it's like you don't you're not working towards that. So there's no pressure to write songs. Only yeah. if you want to write a song, you can write a song. Yeah, at some point you have to kick yourself up the butt and yeah. say you, you need to write something now. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you told me who was in that house, but I haven't made it to Jolene's yet. But actually, I'm hoping to to get to one of your gigs soon because I had seen you on the the list there. But it, and it did say Miss House Band with Golden Guitar winners and nominees. I was thinking, who is in this band? And now you told me. I think they should advertise that band membership so people know, or they or do they want to keep it mysterious? Yeah, no, that's a good idea actually. Which <laughs> you should yeah, take, isn't it? it does seem a bit mysterious. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm pleased to hear that's going well. It looks like that that bar is popular. Um, and is it a country music crowd or is it more of a city crowd? Because it is right in the heart of Sydney for people who don't know it. Yeah, you kind of get both. Um, it's like it's it's only been open a year, so it's like it's definitely word is getting around that it actually exists and that it's mm-hmm. a place to see country music. But yeah. on like maybe Friday nights you get more of the after work city crowd but on saturday nights it's definitely people out there for country music yeah right okay um now cass when i found out you would had a baby i couldn't help but think of the song parallel lines from your album <laughs> which is a favorite of mine i play it regularly um but it has quite a different perspective on becoming a parent <laughs> than you seem to have <laughs> so now i'm thinking did you write that at a certain point in your life and or, or not even write it about yourself at all uh that yes it was like a I guess it was written not that long ago, but like based around a time that was a while ago. That makes sense. I don't know. There was a long-winded answer. So it's like the song, if anyone that doesn't know it, it's like it's about not being ready to have a baby and it's about um, getting a positive pregnancy test and then being like, I'm not ready for that. Uh, but <laughs> um, And it was, yeah, I think that was a really strong um, memory of like thinking that I might be and it's like I'm not feeling ready right now mm-hmm. um, compared to like obviously like so was a plan baby everyone it's okay <laughs> um, but she like it's a very different time in my life now but it is funny that that song didn't come out that long ago and I was like oh hope that's out and happening before we announce that we're pregnant everyone's gonna have questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it's, and I did think it was from a time in the past, but yeah, it's a it's a great song. Um, very. And I saw you play it live when you did an album launch show in Sydney, and it was, uh, you know, the way you performed it, you could see what it meant as well. So I don't know if you've had many chances to perform it or any feedback from people, but yeah, comment more than a question. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of our favorites too. Yeah, it's not our favorites. So. I really love it, and I found it funny. I had a friend of mine who was like, "I love that song." um and then I was like oh talking about how it's like a little bit jarring because it's about like a pregnancy test for some people and she was like I didn't even see it as that I see it as like like she had this own interpretation of the song like not about being pregnant at all it was about like taking this step in life like are you ready to do it or not and like I was just reminded that because it's funny because it's my song I know exactly what it's about but to her she's like no 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 it can be interpreted this way um so that was cool for me because like I guess it's hard for me to like separate what the song was based on because it's a personal experience. Well, and initially I actually didn't pick up pregnancy test angle. I thought you were writing about, you know, parallel decisions in life. Like you could have yeah. life along parallel lines if only, you know, if you'd made different decisions at different times. Which is like, you know, it's funny when you have a song out and you're like, man, I was smarter than I thought. Or like <laughs> people think I'm smarter than I uh, I must, that, that's one of the other ones we've co-written. We wrote that one with Phil Barton. Mm. Um, 
on Zoom here in Nashville. That must have been his input. We're not, we're not that clever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also, it shows the value of being specific because, you know, then people can find themselves in your experience to bring it back to the current song specific about Pac-Man. That's a really, you know, people can connect to that or at least they've heard of that or, you know, Blockbuster on a Friday night, all those things, having those details. um, Yeah. I think it's a hallmark of country music, but you have to be thoughtful as a songwriter to put them in because the impulse may be to go more universal thinking that will connect with, with more people, but it rarely does. Oh, totally. I think like someone, um, I mean, everyone knows Taylor Swift is like very particular. And sometimes it's a song you're like, this is like, I don't know, I can't really relate to this. But um, it's like good because it doesn't matter. It's like if you like what she's singing about, it's like you can put yourself in that world. Mm. Um, Even if we've never had those experiences, we can understand what it it is like to have had those experiences. Do you feel, this is a question for both of you as songwriters, that um, do you feel any hesitancy sometimes to put, some of yourself or what you may consider too much of yourself in a song because it does feel like you're exposing too much of your life to other people. I think I do. I'm newer to writing than Blake and I think because um, my, like, me bringing out an album was like this is like a lot of the first writing I'd ever done and it was like being shown to the world. So I don't think I was really ready to delve too deep. I think Parallel Lines is probably the most personal I get on that whole album. Um, but I'm trying, like, these days to just write songs and not think about like are people going to hear it it's like just write the song and then decide later because I think they're the songs that people like connect to the most which is funny Mm -hmm. like lines like a lot of people love that the most um I think it's something I'm trying to work on to just put those songs out um yeah what do you yeah I I think it's a really hard thing actually and um I struggle with it all the time like writing something or being like, should I write that or just not writing it because I'm like, no, I, I don't want to put that out there, mm. um, which, like, there's different ways you can you can write. Some people write really personal songs um, about things that happen in their life and and other people don't. They just write things about, write songs about things that happen. Mm. You know, like, oh, that's really big for me is Alan Jackson and he's had some songs that are, you know, clearly from his personal life, but a lot of stuff is just, this happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like don't rock the jukebox. It's just, <laughs> it's just about he's he's feeling down and he's in a bar. It's like, yeah. it's just something that happened. It's not deeply personal. And I kind of tend to go that route because I don't like to write those like really personal songs because I find it hard, but mm. there's also like, as an artist, I think, you have to. yeah, the point mm. of artists is for them to write those songs because there's other people that, wouldn't write those songs, you know, if everyone was a songwriter, you know, and the me's out there are too afraid to write those songs, Mm. then if someone else does it and puts it out, it gives other people, you know, a way to relate to that feeling or emotion that's in that song, Mm. you know, something Mm. that they couldn't express themselves because someone else had the courage to do it. Yeah. I do think it is more confronting for performers, though, um, because eventually you're going to be right in front of your audience and uh you know you're gonna you're going to be telling that story to them so it's all very well for to, have, to write the lyrics if you're never seeing anyone you can just release them or, or publish a poem or whatever it is and and think okay well it's just out there but yeah I do think it's it is a big consideration for performers it's like oh you're, you're sitting right in the front row you know this is about me what are you going yeah. to think yeah or even like you know you're writing about something and someone 
like your friends will hear it and you're like oh yeah. it's written like they know it's so of, yeah <laughs> yeah well that's the thing like having the the courage to just give that part of yourself away that yeah. it's not it's not just yours anymore that you've, you've given this to everyone for their judgment for their amusement enjoyment entertainment mm. whatever yeah and um, i think eventually it does land the way you intended at least you know my experience as a listener and having talked to quite a few artists it seems that that yes when you as you say like have the courage to do that it does tend to be received by the audience in the way you expect and hope and intend mm. yeah I, I definitely think so yeah again comment more than a question um <laughs> About this, about the song, Some Things Never Get Old, um, I imagine that at some point you you will be working towards your own albums individually. Are you going to, I don't know who gets this song or will it just go on to both albums or will it not? Is it just going to exist in and of itself? We haven't talked about it. I feel at the moment it's its own thing. Mm. So it's like it's its own thing unless we decided to do more duets then it would all go together. But I mm. think because it's such a specific sound, it's like, I don't know if it would fit on either album, depending on what's even happening. I think that's the future problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, we in that uh, Cash mentioned earlier that we did some other songs of mine in the same session that we did some things, and um, the way I look at those songs is sort of they seem like they could have been on my album, but I just had written them kind of around the time that the album was coming out, so they were obviously couldn't be on it, but they don't feel like they're part of a new album either. I mean, obviously they could be, but I kind of just feel like this is just some other period of songs that's happening and yeah. I couldn't, like, not record them. Like, I had to record them because I was like, I've got these songs, I just mm -hmm. want to put them out there, you know. And so I think, you know, whatever happens <laughs> with these next batch of songs, I don't even know if then when there's an album after that, if those songs will even be on it. It's just sort of like... Stand really just yeah flying by the seat of our pants at the moment just <laughs> like let's put music out like who cares you know well yeah I think I don't know you can get too caught up in oh the cycle or when I'm gonna bring my singles out do my album and like at this point it's like let's just do what we want to do and bring yeah. it out like people like it but maybe they won't I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose yeah look in the age of streaming some of that's been liberating in that there is a platform there just to put out songs and not necessarily have to tie them into any EP or album release. Yeah. Yeah. It is a double-edged sword though in that now you're kind of expected to just consistently release mm, and there's right. no end point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No acknowledgement that artists actually need a bit of downtime as well to get new <laughs> ideas. Very example. Yeah. Well, uh, the song is something. The song is something's never get old. Uh, I don't think the song will get old anytime soon. It's a lovely song, of, and you have a lovely, very uplifting video to go with it, which I will post um, with this. So, Cass Hopeton, Black Dante, Blake. Where did I do that? Cass Hopeton, Blake Dante. Lovely to speak to you both, and I hope to hear more new music soon. Awesome! Thanks for having Thanks us. Chat with us. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.